I'm going to be talking about something called the glory of our calling. The glory of our calling. But I want to start with um, a couple uh, memes up here. So we're going to put the first one on the screen. Okay. So if you can't read it, I'll read it for you. It says, this creature has requested gentle hand pats. And he says, for how long? And he's like this. Until one of us perishes, a life well spent. Now the next meme. Birth, in between stuff, death. That's it. What are we here for? Amen. What are we here for? What is our purpose on earth? The glory of our calling. And I feel like the simplest way for me to just kind of put out our purpose here on this earth is to say that we are here to bring glory to God. See, in order to live our lives well, it is helpful to know why we are here. As we heard last Sunday, this is not a game. What we're doing here for Jesus, this is not a game. We have a serious uh, life and we have a serious call. And a life spent on frivolous extras is a life well wasted. I'm not comfortable with the thought that I'm filling my life purpose with just the in-between stuff. I love my little dog, Peaches. I mean, she's so sweet. She's like the best dog ever. But there has to be more than life than, you know, cuddling her and petting her all day long, right? <laughs> well, let's unpack a little more this morning about this. And um, I want to talk about Jesus, kind of the summary of his life and, and, and how he lived. And then the weight of that call that he gave his followers, who he spent his, his years with on the earth, and then his followers to come, which is you and I. So we're going to go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. The setting is Jesus is, you know, about in his 30s, and he's, he's had a following that has become his friend group, really. And they are, have been on an extreme learning curve for years and and they're not super aware of what's to come but he's kind of beginning to insinuate that the time of them together is closing jesus is going to return back to heaven with god the father and the group his friend group the disciples will hopefully carry on the mandate and the message and the mission throughout the earth so he has spent his years loving these people well. He has lived a life of love and kindness. He has, he has shown them the love of God and the love of the Father. He has shown them the, the kindness of the kingdom. He's shown them how to live, how to act. He's, he's taught them how to be the best versions of themselves and corrected them when they went off course. He's, he's told them, he said if things like, if you live in me and in my words remain in you, then you can do whatever you ask. You can ask for anything and it will be done for you. He said those things. He said, if you keep my commandments, if you abide in me and I in you, he said, you'll bear a lot of fruit. He's told them these things and, and he's obeyed the father. And now he's saying, now do the same. And all these things so that their life and their joy could be complete in him. He chose them. He picked them. They didn't choose him. They said yes once he picked them, but they didn't chase after him. He went and he found them, and then they said, yes, I will follow you. 
he appointed them. And John 15 talks about and how he planted them so that they could go and bear this lasting fruit. See, with appointment comes planting. With planting, roots go deep. And deep roots produce lasting, healthy, big fruit. So there was a call and there was a purpose on this following, this friend group. And their big yes paved the way for ours today. Just as Jesus' big yes to the Father of leaving heaven and coming to earth paved a way for theirs. So in John chapter 17, Jesus just finished this huge talk with them about a lot of things. One of which is saying how things are going to change a little bit. He's like, I'm leaving soon. And then he ends his monologue and he looks up towards heaven and he prays and he says this. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and extol and honor and magnify you. He said, just as you have granted or given him power and authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to all you have given him. And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, to understand you, the only true and real God. And likewise, to know him, Jesus. He's talking about himself, the anointed one, the Messiah whom you've sent. Verse 4, I have glorified you down here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So here it is, Jesus is wrapping up his last few moments on earth, his mission is finished, and his conclusion, so to speak, of his purpose on earth was to bring glory to God. And then without skipping a beat, he says how he did it. Because how many know it's not enough just to know what we should do, but we need to know how to do it. He said, I have glorified you down here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. We glorify God by doing what he's asked of us completely. He didn't fulfill this by starting the works. He didn't fulfill this by doing some of them or by doing them averagely well, but by the completion of the work. See, it's not the starting it's the finishing that brings the glory. A lot of people start well. Yeah, oh Lord, I'll do this. Yes, I'll go there. Oh, I'll, yes, send me. Do, uh, me, 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 me. But soon enough, the pull of challenges, the pull of obstacles, of inconvenience, of busyness, of excuses, sometimes valid excuses, would cause one to change your mind or to second guess of what the Lord has asked of us. But we were put on this earth to glorify God, and we do this by completing the works he has set in advance for us to do. So like, let's take a moment and say, Lord, what have you asked of me? Am I doing it? Did I start but then stop? Because there are, there are general works for the whole body of Christ to do across the earth. And then there are specific tasks that only you can do. We are all called to make disciples of all nations. That is a, like a, a corporate calling. 
and I can participate in that general calling with you. We can all do it together, but I cannot do your specific assignments for you. I cannot complete the works that God has set in advance for you to do. I can only do mine. Verse 6, I have manifested Jesus as your name. I have revealed your very self. To the people you have given me out of the world, they were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed and kept your word. He's like, I showed them through my actions. I uncovered you, he says. I pointed all the kindness and all the, the things of the kingdom to you, Father. And verse 7, now at last they know and they understand that you have given, that all that you have given me belongs to you. He's like, it took some time, but now they get it. What exactly was given to Jesus? Like, what is he talking about? Back in verse 2, it lists two things that were given to him. One was power and one was authority, is what they're talking about here. Over all flesh, it said. Flesh is all of humankind plus. You know, flesh is also anything that isn't in alignment with the Spirit of God. Jesus was given by the Father all the power and the authority over anything that lived and breathed, over anything that wasn't whole. He was given the power and the authority to change it. That means that he had the ability to make it better, to heal it, to provide miracles, to provide whatever it needed to function as whole and, and again, to bring freedom. All the things in verse 10 that are mine, he said, are yours. And all the things that are yours belong to me. And I am glorified in and through them. They have done me honor. In them, my glory is achieved. All the things, what things again? A power and authority. In them and through them, my glory is achieved. I am glorified, he said, through the works that you have sent me to do. You are glorified by me completing or finishing the works that you have on my life. So I glorify you by completion. You glorify me by offering me the gifts necessary to glorify you as I complete the works that you've set in advance for me to do. <laughs> have I confused anyone? As I am glorified, my purpose, my reason for existence radiates through my life. I feel the best. I feel the most alive that I could ever feel. I feel the most joy. I feel the most peace. Now, I want to just pause for one moment and kind of mention one thing, in case some of you are out there that are biblical scholars, and you're just like, I know it says somewhere in the word, you probably already, you know the reference too, I'm sure, but where it says, the Lord says, I will not give my glory to another. But I just talked about how he's giving his glory to Jesus, and then, you know, Jesus said, he passed on the mandate to his followers, which passed on the mandate to us. So how does this work? Well, I will not give my glory. Because it does say in the Bible, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another or praise to idols. So the difference here where God is saying or, or the Jesus is saying that we ha can be glorified 
as we do the works of the kingdom versus giving my glory to another. In that, God is not saying he won't share his glory with us. What he's saying is don't go anywhere else to find my glory. No one else is worthy of my glory. No one else is worthy of the place of highest esteem and honor and glory. And to place that glory on another in the way that we worship or idolize them is blasphemy. Things that we place in our lives ahead of God to give them more adoration and more value than him. That's the warning here. But it's not about us revealing the glory of God. It's not about him putting his glory on us to radiate through our lives so that the world would see. It's not about that. It's about misplacing the glory. See, we will never find fulfillment in our lives until we find our purpose. And we will never live our purpose unless we are living to bring glory to God. And once we understand that, we will complete the works he's assigned for us to do. And this is when and only when we will live our best and satisfied life. A satisfied life. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desires in scorched places. You'll be like, you know, I just feel like things are being burned up in my life. He will satisfy you even in scorched places, even through the fire. It says, and he will give you strength to your bones. Even when you're like, I feel so weak in my life right now. I just feel so weak. He will give strength even when you're weak. And then he says, and you will be like a watered garden, fresh and fruitful. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Never lacking. Never without refreshment. Never without nourishment in your life. You will live a satisfied life. Wow. Verse 13. And now Jesus said as he continues this prayer. He said, I'm coming to you and I say these things while I'm still in the world. He's still, he's still there at this point. So that my joy may be full and complete and perfect in them that they may experience my delight fulfilled in them that my enjoyment may be perfected in their own souls that they may have gladness within them filling their hearts I have given and delivered to them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world I do not ask that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not out of the world. And then he says this, so sanctify them. Purify, consecrate, separate them to yourself. Make them holy by the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake and on their behalf, I sanctify myself so that they may be sanctified in the truth. See, what a powerful example Jesus, as he lived the earth, led for us. He was holy. He was righteous. He was fully God, but he was fully man, subject to all the temptation and desires that, that we are subject to today. But yet he set himself apart and he, he made himself remain holy so that he could be an example for his friend group, for his following, and for us to come so that we know that we can do it too with the power and the authority 
authority that's been given to us through him by the Father. In verse 20, he said, Neither for these alone do I pray, but also for those who will ever come to believe in me through their word and teaching. This is us. What a cool thing to find that in the very word of God, Jesus, while he lived on this earth, was praying for you and me. He said that they may all be one, just as you, the Father, and me, and I, and you, and that they may be one in us so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. The main point is, he says, I have, I have given to them the glory and the honor which you have given to me, that they may be one even as we are one. I have given in them, to them, the glory and honor which you have given me. He has given to us the glory and the honor which the Father gave to him so that we may be one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me in order that they might become one and perfectly united. Why? So that the world may know and recognize that you sent me. See, it's important we and the world know who Jesus is and that the Father loves them even as he loves the Son. See, we exist to bring glory to God just as Jesus does, just as his following did, we do. But there's no glory. We cannot do that without the completion of the works that he has sent for us to do. It is by completion, by and within the function of who we are as a son and as a daughter of the Most High. It is where we are positioned, which is oneness with him, with Jesus, oneness with the Father. Just as the Son and the Father are one, we are one. We are in him and he is in us. This is our position and our identity as sons and daughters of God. He said, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have entrusted to me, may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. I have made your name known to them and revealed your character and your very self, and I will continue to make you known, that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. See, he said, I have made you known and I will continue. Well, how do we continue when we already know he's going back to the Father? He continued in his following and then they continued through us. It's our turn now. We continue the works. We pick up the mantle of making the Father known. We are, are, are carriers of his presence 
showing the world his goodness, his kindness, letting out the God that we have inside of us as it says that we are one in him and he is one in us and letting that out so that the, the people in, in the earth may see that we could bring glory to God because we are here busy doing the assignment that he has sent us to do. It's our turn. Now, kids are always like, I want my turn, my turn, my turn. It's our turn, but we got to take our turn. You got to take the turn. Have you ever been at a stoplight, but you're not the first in line? And then um, it turns green. And they don't move, right? And you're like, I always say to Craig, I say, you know, if you're at the front of the line, not him specifically, but I'm just talking about people in general, I'm like, I feel like there's a responsibility on you to pay attention. You know, if you're in the front of the line, there's a responsibility so that when the light turns, you, you, you know, if you're back a little bit, you can maybe not, you can be a little more casual, but when you're in the front of the line, there is a responsibility to pay attention. You owe it to the people behind you. We owe it to the people behind us. Amen. To take our turn. If we want to have an impact, if we want to make a, a difference, if, if we want to, to, to reach someone, we need to make God known to them. But in order to do this, we have to take it seriously. We can't just start the works. We can't say yes one minute and then uh, I think I'm, maybe it's a no. We, we, we have to complete the works that he's given to us to do. It's not a partial thing. It's not a, it's, 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 it's all days. It's, it's all day long. It's, it's, Jesus, Jesus said that this is serious. He prayed a very serious prayer when he said sanctify them. When he said make them holy. Separate them to yourself. That's not a partial commitment. That's not a casual approach. He said just as you sent me into the world, I send them. Just as the Father sent Jesus into the world, we are sent. That is a big responsibility. He said, I'll I'll do it first, Father, so that they will see. And then I'm calling them to step up and follow me. It was for the disciples and it's for us. See, his message will not continue until, unless we take our turn. We have to take our turn. To be dedicated, to be consecrated, to be made holy. See, this is the goal. It's not, it's not how I can personally, you know, through my own thoughts and ideas, help. Because I can. But it's not about that. It's by making the Father known. Because they will know us by our love. They will know who we represent by how we represent. This is the key. It's not, it's not like four steps to freedom. You know, it's not, it's not um, these ten habits will transform your life. And, and those things are out there, and they are very good. They are very good to do those things. Um, but 
don't expect them to bring your purpose is what I'm saying. So if you find a self-help book that says these are the 10 steps that's going to make me be a better mother or a better friend, those are good things to do because you'll become a better mother and a better friend. But you will not live your purpose unless you fulfill the works by glorifying You know, we look at some big name Christian people who are, have a lot of influence in the earth. And I think sometimes we wonder, like, I wonder how they got there. I wonder, like, like what, like, how, how they got there. I wonder what they're doing. And, and maybe one day that could be me or maybe. But what we don't always get to see is the sacrifice, the yes, the I'll do whatever it takes to bring the glory, to complete the works. My yes is my yes. It's not just my yes in, in, in phrase all. I'm just, yeah, I say yes to God. Yeah, I'm a laid down lover. But like your actions actually follow your words. Um, right now, my son Josiah, he's probably coming back from a ministry trip. And he, he's in... Um, in Reading and up at Bethel Church doing a school of ministry. And this last week, he was uh, asked to go on a ministry trip with Bill Johnson. Now, this is a, like a really, really cool thing that he got asked to do that. There's only about 15 of the students that got asked out of a couple thousand in the school or whatever. And so it was quite an honor um, for him to get to do this. But I'm telling you this because he was, he was telling us that they had um, like a little time with Bill and where they could ask him any question they want. There's only 15 of them in the room, so, you know, they could just ask him whatever. And so just I had a question, and one of the questions that he wanted to ask Bill was he said, you know, there's different times and seasons in the earth of what God is doing. And he said... Um, you know, I know that they shift and move, and, and what would you say, or what are you sensing is a, is a time and season right now? Am I getting that right? Yeah. And, and Bill said this. He said, I've, among other things, one of the things that he felt was there's a real call to um, seeing healing and miracles and things that maybe had been lost, restored from previous into the now. Healings and miracles. This from a man who just recently lost his wife to cancer. That's what I'm talking about. We don't know the sacrifice. We don't know the big yes. We hear these big names and we're like, that's so cool. I wonder how they got maybe... But we don't know what they've lived through, but still say yes to God. Every day they get up. This is behind the scenes. This is in front of the scenes. This is behind in, in a prayer closet. This is on the stage. This is all the time, every time. And I'm not specifically saying anything about this man, you know, 
specifically, I'm just saying that if we want a big life and we want to fulfill our call and we want to do it seriously, then it has to be yes all the time. It has to be completion of the works he has sent for us to do. It cannot be a quick, yeah, I'll do it, and then a retraction. It cannot be, I'll do it somewhat or if you want that life you can have that life but I tell you you will not live a satisfied life something inside of you will always not feel quite right we can form habits but if a habit can be formed a habit can be broken an encounter with the Lord cannot an encounter with the Lord cannot. And this is what we give the world when our yes is big. Because you cannot come face to face with God and, and, and forget it. It's a personal matter. And it's an individual call as well as a corporate call. The glory is to him. It's through you and it's for them out there. What for? What's the glory for? It's to change us into his likeness. So the world will see him through us. We must be glorified. We must have the glory on our lives so that there's no difference between us and them. So that when the world sees me, I am a reflection of Jesus. I am a reflection of the Father. They don't even see me anymore because all they can see is the light and the glory of the Lord through my life. That's what it's for. He deserves his glory to be revealed in the earth and we can't afford to live without it. Why don't we stand as I close this morning? I want to end with some questions because I feel like when there's a big call and a serious call to, to really give everything, there's some questions that sometimes we go away with or we think. And, and one is like, how? Like, how do I even do this? How do I live that way? It's by making the choice to complete it. It's making our yes bigger than our excuses. What about this question? Can I realistically even do this every day without feeling the pressure of having to? Because, you know, we can do it like almost like under compulsion, right? Where we just, well, it's what I'm supposed to do. So is it possible to live this life without feeling that way, to truly give it all? Yes, it is. How? By being one with Jesus and the Father. Because when we are one with him, it, it, it's, it's like the overflow of our lives. It's no, there's no striving. There's no like, oh, I have to do it. It becomes our joy, not our obligation. Well, how do I get there? You stay connected. You abide. It talks about in the word about abiding in him and him in you. Well, why would I choose this life over a more casual approach? 
because we get to live the reason we exist. That's why. And we get to show the world God is real. Is it even for everyone? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just for super Christians. God's love wouldn't have it any other way. It's for everyone. And then the last question that maybe you're asking, because it's okay to ask these questions. We need to count the cost. But what if I don't? What if I don't? Does it affect anyone? What is it, does it affect, like, is it just me? Does it even matter? What, what would be the repercussion? I feel like this is the answer. I feel like you'll always go through your life wondering what's missing. I wonder if you'll come to the end in regret. I wonder if when you stand before Jesus, you'll wish you didn't do it wrong. I wonder if people will misunderstand Jesus and the church because he was misrepresented through our lives. Sometimes I wonder if all the people, the earth, the, the, the people, you know, Christians and non-Christians alike that have a problem with church, you know, the church hurt group, the deconstruction group, I wonder if part of that is because we just misrepresent him. That it's our half yes that's done it. It's not the, the church of Christ that's missing it necessarily. It's you and I choosing to live our lives partially for him under the premise that we've given it all. See, we all have a choice to make. I have the choice to make too. And no decision is actually a decision because life will then choose for you. So whatever road that is, is the one you'll find yourself on. So if you just decide to not decide, that's your decision. So today I wanna put the call out and I know we've done this before, but I wanna do it again to, to make that one big yes, to make that, that decision to live to glorify God, to live to have his glory revealed in your life, to complete the works these he's assigned for you to do. You won't be alone in your yes. I've said yes. Many of you in this room have said yes. I, I, I know there's there's lots in this room that have been like, yeah, I will give my 100%. Maybe it will be all of us today. Maybe it won't. But I do know this. It's never been about the amount of people that matter. It's the quality of their yes. And much like the mustard seed that grows into a large plant, 
or the loaves and fishes that we've talked about that's multiplied to feed a multitude. So is with anything we give to Jesus and surrender. It's limitless in its potential to the completion of our yes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for sending Jesus to pave the way, to pioneer the way for us to come behind and complete, to pick up the mantle, to take our turn, to show the world that you deserve all the honor and the glory, that you are the answer to all of their questions that you are what they're looking for. I thank you that you've given us the privilege to follow in your footsteps and make yourself known. I pray that in this moment that you would convict us towards righteousness, that we would feel compelled to follow you and to do whatever it takes to be where you've asked us to be to go to the places you've asked us to go, to say the things you've asked us to say. I pray for courage to rise up and hunger for more of you and to be used of you fully and completely. That I pray that you would show us how worthy you are of our everything, that we would not leave one part of our lives not laid down in surrender to you. I pray even in this moment that you would begin to reveal the specific works you've assigned individuals here. I pray, I pray right now that for those that are like, what is it, God? What, what is it, Father? I, I, I say yes, I want to give 100%, but I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure what specific things that is. I pray that right now in this moment that you begin to unlock, that you begin to reveal, that you begin to show pictures and visions and, 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 and words of, of, of places and callings and ideas that you have. I pray that even things that have gone dormant or have gone to sleep from years past would, would wake up right now in this moment. Would, there would be a light that would shine on those dark places, those things that have been shelved and they're a little dusty. I pray that the dust would blow off by the wind of the Spirit of God right now and it would be refreshed and alive once again in their life. I speak to those things. I command life. In Jesus' name, once again, it is not too late. It is not over. The time has not passed. In Jesus' name, let there be resurrection power on the assignments that you've called us to. We thank you. 
if you want to say yes to him, if you want to, why don't you just raise your hand right now in surrender, saying, Lord, I just give everything today. I make that choice today to give you my all. I make that choice today to lay down everything that doesn't align with, with your purpose and your destiny on my life. And I will run this race to the completion in Jesus' name. In Jesus and for your glory, God. Amen. Amen. Amen.